Well, holy shit, I actually managed to do it. After procrastinating for ages, I finally managed to produce an audiobook version of the Lunatic Fringe book. It's currently available on all Amazon sites, audible.com, and shortly on iTunes. And if you're the page-turning type, it's also, of course, still available in Kindle form, paperback, and uh, hardback on Amazon. Ten hours and ten years worth of Blue Skies Magazine's articles, all available to you right fucking now, including a few author's notes and even an apology or two. Enjoy. Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line on our wings and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia, as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast. Or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. 
They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can with another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and again, the magic of the internet. Please, let's just get to it. Tell me, who the fuck are you, and what do you do? Hey, my name is Max Mano. I'm a member of the Red Bull Skydive team. I'm affiliated with a couple of other groups. Uh, I do flocking camps with Momentum. I'm a competitive swooper, full-time skydiver, and that's it. So you're you're a pretty fucking busy guy. I am very busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I know how much you love it just because the last time we were going to sit down and talk, I got a, an apologetic message from you about an hour and a half before going, dude, the weather's way too nice, man. We got to do this some other time because I'm going to go jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I went and did a couple of base jumps in Lauterbrunn. I live in Switzerland. Nice. And um, whenever the weather is good and I have time, I'll try to make the most of it. You know, it's kind of funny. That's the one excuse that I can't ever give a jumper shit for. Like, dude, I'm not going to sit and talk to you. I'm going to go fucking jump. <laughs> Priorities, right? Yeah, man. That's the <laughs> that's the best answer ever. I, and occasionally you'll get people to give you a whole bunch of stuff. But just say you're going to go jump. I'm all good with that. <laughs> so look, so the way we do things on the podcast is I want to jump all the way back to how you got started on doing this, because obviously, if you've made it all the way up to the Red Bull team and everything else that you're doing, you've you've uh, got a little bit of talent, but it had to start somewhere. So where did extreme sports and then, of course, specifically jumping start for you? Uh, man, many years ago, um, over half of my lifetime ago, uh, I got a tandem skydive from my mom for my 14th birthday. Wow. And I did the jump. I honestly don't remember much. Uh, I remember feeling sick in the car on the way back and throwing up at home. <laughs> but uh, I guess it was a bit of an overwhelming ex experience and it made me kind of... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to know what it was all about. And then for my next birthday, um, my mom gave me like an introductory course, static line at that time. And I did those three static line jumps. And then the school asked me if I want to continue. And I did, I think I did a, another two jumps or something that day. And then that was it. From then on, I just tried to be at the drop zone as often as I could. And Obviously, since I was really young and I had a lot of other things on my agenda, um, I didn't really make it a priority at that time. But um, when I was 16, I got my skydiving license. And then I, after that, I basically tried to invest every single penny I had into the sport. <laughs> and then... <clears throat> It really, I, uh, when I was 18, 19, when I finished school, I had about 200 jumps and um, 
I was trying to figure out what to study and what to do and all of that. And then uh, I decided to go and travel to Australia for three months. That was the plan. And then I ran out of money really, really quick. Uh, so I had to find a job and I called the nearest job zone. And they basically asked me, or they, they basically told me that they don't really have work for me, but I could come and hang out for a bit. And then that basically started my, my professional career, I guess. Um, yeah, now, just starting... Now, yeah, starting in Europe, uh, uh, obviously it had to be Europe to be able to start that young, but 14 years old is really young to make that first jump. I mean, especially if you said you were sick to your stomach on the way home. Uh, I mean, could it have gone either way? Could you have gotten home and gone, fuck, I wish I hadn't done that. That was scary. Yeah, probably. I mean, I was really, it was also the first time I've been in a plane, um, so... <laughs> I was exposed to a lot of new things, you know, and, and I remember, I remember the, the tandem instructor at that time, he explained the equipment to me and then he was like, oh, there, and also if everything goes wrong, we still have a reserve canopy. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really safe. I thought we we're going to have a round parachute. We have one chance, you know, and I would have like, I, I signed up for it. I was totally, I was <laughs> in, but, uh, Finding out that there was a, a lot better equipment than I expected and all of that made me really curious. And and for sure, it was really young. Uh, I think like now when when I get asked like, oh, my son's or my daughter's 14 or 15, uh, what's, a, what's a good time to start? Like usually I, I recommend not to start that early because it's kind of just, it's a lot for a, a young human like that, I think. And and looking back, I'm I'm really glad I did it. But I also think that uh, wouldn't have hurt to start a little bit later. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I did tandems for a while in New Zealand. That doesn't have an age limit. It's literally just if you can fit in the harness safely, you can make a jump. Uh, and I've taken uh, as young as an eight year old and a twelve year old, and the eight year old. I think would have rather just stayed on the dirt playing with his Hot Wheels um, and yeah. <laughs> didn't really seem to be affected by the jump one way or the other. The 12-year-old, I'm pretty sure I scarred her for life. She was horrified. <laughs> horrified. And I felt bad about it because I'm like, well, shit, your parents are paying and they're insisting that you're going, so I'm going to take you and make it a safe skydive. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure I fucked that kid up man it's overwhelming and and honestly i think i think the work well the best or the worst thing about it is you set the bar really high as you know for experiences so i think every roller coaster after that's just gonna be super boring you know right? <laughs> and so you're kind of like uh, i think it's not a good idea if if, if you have a child you want to take them scattering wait as long as possible because after that you're just gonna have to you know, come up with something better than a skydive, which is pretty difficult in my Yeah, heart. yeah, it's pretty tough to do. Now, you said uh, it was a gift from your mom. Was uh, she or anybody else in the family a jumper? No, not at all. Man, actually, there were, when we went to the drop zone, I realized it was like 20 minutes from my house, and I must have heard and seen them before, but I didn't. So it was a really small, like a 182 Cessna drop zone uh, in the south of Germany, uh it has a they have a big military base there but they have a, also a civilian club and yeah no i i didn't know anything about skydiving to be honest no mm. idea 
Now, did your uh, did your mom have any idea as you got into it what she started? I mean, did she? Did your mom ever go, "Oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have done that"? <laughs> Man, it's funny. Like a couple of years later, I talked to her about you know uh, obviously what, what happened and and where that journey took me, and then she was like. Uh, she just knew at that time she had to direct my energy towards something good. Like she said, like you had a lot of energy and <laughs> and I needed to make sure it goes towards something useful or something, something that is, that is good for you, you know? And so now uh, she doesn't really know a lot about what I do. Like I send her messages from time to time. Usually when I stand on top of the mountain, just before I jump, I send her a quick message and, and I think she's just happy that I'm happy, and and uh, she comes and and watches competitions if they're if they're close to where she lives, and I think she's just just really happy that it uh, yeah worked out for me. Nice. So you were you were one of those kids. She was like, shit, I better find something for this kid to do, or we're in for a long road. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so had there, had there ever been any other thought that skydiving was going to basically be your life? I mean, I, I know you said you were jumping quite young, uh, but were there other interests that might have taken you different directions? Or was it pretty much, shit, this is it? Man, honestly, I never really thought about it. Like, it just kind of like happened to me in a way like obviously I made myself available to a lot of the jobs and 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 places I went to and all of that but I never really like the the instructors were gods you know when I was mm. a, a young skydiver I was like man this it's just impossible to ever uh, acquire a thousand jumps or you know <laughs> what I mean they travel around the world and all these things like for me it was just impossible to to compare myself to them sure you know and 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 it it kind of like stayed like that for a really long time like i remember getting my instructor rating and go like how the how the fuck did i get here you know (laughs) (laughs) uh it's really really yeah really crazy i was really fortunate to have a lot of people that kind of like helped me get to where i was but i never it was never something that i even like yeah, thought I could could become, you know. Sure. It just it really just happened. Well, now when you went to Australia, you said, uh, uh, I mean, as an American, most American kids don't travel um, all that much. Um, the lucky ones do, but not like European kids absolutely take these trips and they go live other places for extended periods of time. So you didn't go to Australia looking to jump, did you? No, not really. I I had a rig at that time. Like I was, like I said, I was a really young and and inexperienced jumper, and I thought it'd be nice to do a jump or two while I'm there. But I never really planned to. Like I didn't. It, I had no idea. I didn't know like uh, what a big drop zone looks like. You know what I mean? Like I have no. I, I just. I was just. I'm gonna take my rig and see what happens. And then, sure. Uh, I, I never packed for anyone else either. Like when they asked me to to do a pack job for them, it was, I remember it was like a, a JVX 94 or something yeah. at that time. And I, I never ha- held a wing like that in my hands. You know, I was like, what is this? Like, what am I going to do with this? Like I can barely pack my own parachute. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then it, it kind of just started there. I 
totally green and just try my best. So they hired you on as a, as a packer because you showed up and had no money and nowhere else to go? Pretty much. <laughs> no, they just, off, honestly, they just offered me a place to stay. And they're like, man, we're not really busy. Like, there's not really a, a job position uh, open for you, but uh, whatever you can do is probably helpful. So I started like emptying the bins and answering the phone and cleaning up the kitchen. And, and then finally it was packing. I remember you needed, like, in Australia, you need a commercial packing license so i had to get that first and then it it was sort of like every kind of work that that was there like doing like i don't know cleaning up the garden uh, for my boss at that time and sure. things like that just just trying to have a bit of money to eat and then over the years that that became a bit more professional like editing videos and then uh camera flying and then i finally got my instructor rating and i started doing aff in tandem so is that kind of the the point where the the switch flipped and you realized you're not just doing this to get by while you're figuring out what's going on, but this is your path? Yeah, in a way, yes. Uh, yes or no. Man, I had doubts for many years after I got my instructor rating too. I always thought I always thought like, am I like the scuba instructor in Thailand that sort of like thought he has a job and then realizes when he's like in his mid forties that he kind of, <laughs> you know, fucked up or something, you know, like, I don't know. Like I, I was always like, do I have to, is this a real job? Uh, can I get by with this? Uh, sure. Or do I have to have to go back to university and, and, and get like a real job for many, many years. And, and every time it was like tough in the sport, I kind of reconsidered or I just considered doing something else or, you know, Sure. Well, I'm sure you got the same thing that uh, I and a lot of uh, professional skydivers got, especially back in the day was, wait, you can make money doing that? Nobody could yeah. wrap their head around the fact that you could actually do it as a job. And I, a lot like you, when I became an instructor, assumed that at some point everybody would figure out that I was a complete fraud and had no business yeah. doing what I was doing. Like I'm half of the time I'm more scared than my fucking students were, but somehow I kept getting through it. And it took a long time before I woke up and went, Oh shit. I think I'm going to, I think I'm a skydiving instructor. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think when I, like in the, even in the beginning when I was a young instructor, I never really made up, uh, a lot of money it was kind of like and all the money that I made w went back into the sport or sure. into buying equipment and all of that so it was always like man I like I was broke for many many years so but then um, in my last year in Australia I started working for another job zone it was like what we I guess what we consider a tenant factory hmm. and then after the first week or the first two weeks I I wrote them my first invoice and then I was like all right this is serious money like this is a real this is a good job I like like doing it and I'm I think I'm just gonna do that for until I get bored or until I want to do something else that was a few years ago now I'm guessing yeah, that was a few, man, it's like 13 <laughs> years now or something, 12 years, yeah, a long time ago. It's crazy how fast uh, it gets behind you, isn't it? I mean, uh, same thing with me. I, I look back now at a 27-year career in the sport, and I, I can't imagine where it's gone. 
Now, I also, I also didn't go the route that you've done. I mean, we've at the beginning of the podcast talked about some pretty epic shit. I mean, as soon as you say the team Red Bull, that's saying something. I mean, when did you decide, you know, something, this is not just a, um, an instructor tandem kind of thing for me. I've got other aspirations in the sport. Honestly, it was always like that. Like I had, I always saw like when a couple of friends that I started with, for example, like somewhere along the way, they found like a, a job in the industry. Like, I don't know, they got their tandem rating and then got a decent job that paid well. And then a lot of them kind of like stayed in those positions. And, and I remember like, I remember going, it was also in Australia. I did my first swoop competition. Um, I went down to Picton, I think it was, was like an intermediate uh, swoop competition. I never had, had done any training or anything like that. And I, just, <laughs> I just thought like, this is <laughs> really interesting. And um, I remember going there and basically spending all the money that I had saved up at that point for training and like a bit of equipment that I needed. And then the competition obviously, and the flights and all of that. And I remember coming home and a couple of my friends were like, man, you missed like a really busy weekend. Like we made a bunch of money. There was like this big group, blah, blah, blah. You know what it's like, you know, and I sure. was like, ah, like in a way I felt like, damn it. Like, obviously I missed out on a bunch of money, but I was, really really stoked having gone to that swoop competition and learning a lot and and doing something for myself and and i think at that time i i sort of promised myself like i'm gonna i'm gonna put a lot of money back into the sport to kind of get as good as possible in as many disciplines as i possibly can and and i just always did that like wingsuiting and 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 free flying and all of that like it in the beginning obviously it, it doesn't pay the bills but it was always important to not just be an instructor to me sure well and that's kind of the decision that has to be made right i mean because i've talked to you know the world's best swoopers and the world's best wingsuit pilots and and at the end of the day it's not the fat paycheck that they're doing it for you know you talk to to nick batch and and uh you ask him so how's all those millions coming for standing on top of the podium and of course you just get a laugh (laughs) Yeah. You, you guys do it primarily for the passion and the love of it, but it, it does have to be that choice. Cause you guys know, going into it, this is not an Olympic medal sport, at least not yet. Uh, so yeah. you have to make that decision. Fuck. This is just what I want to do, which says something. It really does. Man. It's just, I don't know. Like it's just having fun really at the end of the day. And, and I guess like, as you, when you start as a student, I think it's so cool how, how many new things you learn in a really short period of time and how you kind of like, I, I guess it's, it might be a bit over the top, but how you kind of like become a, a, a better, stronger person, right? Like you kind of, you deal with your fears a bit more. You, 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 I don't know, you sleep, uh, you, you dream of skydiving, you breathe skydiving, like everything you do is just towards that one goal. And, sure. and I think every time in my life where that stopped, because I was mm, kind of caught up doing the same thing over and over, I kind of just got a bit like bored and frustrated and thought like, man, this, this can't be it. Like I, I got into the sport because of the fascination for new things and and i i never wanted to stop so i I was always looking for something that that kept me busy and 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 made me a student basically sure 
Sure. Well, now, so skydiving, it, it did the same thing for me as well. I mean, it, it makes you face a level of fear and concentration that most people can't even wrap their heads around. And as a, a beginning skydiver and even an experienced skydiver, we have to deal with stressful situations that most average people could never conceive of. But it does become the norm. But do you think it's that type of thing that funneled you towards what skydivers consider more the cutting edge of the sport for you, the wingsuiting, the canopy piloting, that kind of stuff? Was it to keep it fresh? I think so. Like, obviously, just getting into another discipline was was just interesting to kind of just have a look, like see what it's like, what the scene is like, what what the focus is about and all of that. But then I guess like in each discipline, like you do it more often, you kind of just want to get better. And then it sort of naturally takes you to a, uh, like to the extreme end, I guess. Sure. And uh, I think it was always like, you always, man, for me, it was always like looking up to the people. I remember watching the first like base jumping, uh, wingsuit base jump videos, you know, and I was like, man, this is impossible like how can people do this you know i'll not like i'll never be able to do this but like but this is a different world like they're sure. people from a different planet and and i and i was so fascinated by that and then and and then you get to these goals like remembering like oh man like now i have more jumps than my instructor had when he taught my first jump course or <laughs> uh you know what i mean things like yeah. that and i was like man it's really it's really really incredible that without having this as a as a goal it kind of just took me there and, and just made me want to do it more and more and and i i think i just never wanted to stop and i i still don't want to stop sure well the cool thing too about uh, both the sport of skydiving and and uh, a subset being base jumping is you end up becoming um, friends with the people that you had hero worship for in the beginning, right? I mean, how many times have you found yourself on a plane or at an exit point with someone that you used to, you know, look up to and still do, of course, but now they're your friend. Yeah. It's incredible, man. In the beginning, like I would get stuff. I remember, for example, with competition, I remember uh, competing against, Cornelia in the Italian nationals a couple of years ago, maybe five, six years ago or something. And at that time I, I trained a lot and I was really, really focused on, on, on competition. And then I went there and Cornelia for me was like, you know, the one and only like just an amazing uh, canopy pilot and person obviously also. And um, it was like the last round and she had done her last jump already. And, and, uh, I, I realized like if I did like an average round, I, I have a chance to beat her uh, in, in, the la in that competition in the Italian Nationals. And, and I got so nervous. I was like, this is impossible. There was like a weather hold and for, a, I don't know, for two or three hours, Ooh. all that went through my mind was like, oh my God, it's Cornelia. Like how, how can I possibly, you know, like it's impossible. Like what am I doing? Just going crazy and crazy. <laughs> And I ended up totally cooking the round, like totally fucked up and like did a shitty score and uh, she took the win. But I remember being like, man, something has really changed, you know, like the, the, to compete against the people that I uh, look up to is, is just such an incredible feeling. And, 
And it's something I definitely wasn't prepared for mentally either. Sure. Well, and I mean, not to just compete with them, but then to find yourself sitting around having a beer and shooting the shit with these people that you idolize their abilities and what they do. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have Cornelia in the studio a number of times and have joked a number of times about when she once tried to teach me how to do a 450 and I made it halfway around and was so dizzy I bailed out and she just laughed at me. She's like, just go away. <laughs> like, I'm going to stick with my 270. I'm good. That 450 shit and above is just too much for me. And, you know, and then you're watching her and all these other amazing people taking podium after podium and realizing they're badasses because of how hard they dedicate themselves, but they're also just fucking great people. Yeah. Man, I think almost like one doesn't go without the other. You know, like I think uh, you have you to, to get in the sport far, I think like. Uh, to be a bit humble and open and and to actually spend that time on the ground having a beer with someone else and and talking about skydiving outside of the the actual sport you know it's like i learned i would say like 80 percent of all my knowledge i learned uh when the plane was on the ground you know so sure. i think like those times are, are really really important and I, and I learned a lot about like attitudes and and how people how serious they take it and and all of that and i I think like without that, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. I mean, I, I think there's absolutely no doubt that to reach the levels that somebody like Cornelia reaches, uh, you had to have had some situations that have humbled you. Uh, and if you haven't, then you're not performing at your best because um, that humility is also what helps to keep you safe and help pass that knowledge on to other people. I mean, you just can't. This sport doesn't take not being humble for very long before you get smacked. No, exactly. And man, at the end of the day, like I, I, I think about it this way, like I try to be like, you try to be the instructor that you never had, right? Like if you, whatever you do in the sport, like the ultimate goal is that the generation after you will outperform you more. Or less. Yes. Like that's the whole idea of the sport is of course, while you're competing, it's sort of like, if you have your one that works really well, like you kind of don't want to give it away but at the end of the day like as a as an instructor or whatever i think like the ultimate goal is that that the students i teach one day will outperform me and and for that <laughs> it's like a uh, it's like a circle right they're gonna do the same thing and my the instructors i looked up to they did the same thing so in the end it's all like taking while while you're doing your thing but also giving a lot so the next generation can can become safer and better and and have more fun basically well sure and i mean another thing that i think is fueling that big time is technology seems to be moving at such a high rate of speed these days i mean it seems to me like yesterday the first time i saw a video of patrick flying a wingsuit and that wingsuit and a today's modern wingsuits are not even the same thing um, but yeah. it seems, seems like it happened in the blink of an eye and it's the same thing with parachutes i mean when I started jumping, the baddest thing in the sky was a stiletto. Holy shit, you got to be crazy to jump a stiletto. You're out of your, <laughs> out of your mind. And then, of course, it was the velocity. And now both of those are kind of like the, the introduction to, <laughs> to parachutes. 
It's crazy how quick it's gone. Well, and I'm sure you've seen it quite a bit too, especially doing the kind of things that you do. Cause I mean, you got into wingsuiting quite heavily and then the base jumping side of things, again, technology has really taken over, has it not? Man, for sure. Man, when I, when I had like my 220 jumps or something, when I was like, I just qualified for doing my first uh, wingsuit flight. I did, and I was jumping like a Birdman classic or something, you know? Like today we consider them, they're, they're like a rail suit with camera wings, you know? It's like really far right. from, from what a wingsuit is today. And then we did a couple of jumps, and at that time the wingsuiting thing started off, like Birdman was still a thing, and then I had like the vampires and things like that. And then it, that's when I saw like the first base jumping, wingsuit base jumping, videos and i thought like man this is just incredible yep. and then many many years later when i joined the uh rebel scatter team uh they're like man we wingsuit a lot so you kind of have to get back into wingsuiting and i still had this image of like these you know like uh i remember what it was like flying a wingsuit but then they put me in a freak like on the second jump or something i was like all right this is a wingsuit like this thing actually is like a wing it was incredible sure. to just see the difference and and it wasn't that that many years in between and and uh man it's changed a lot like all of the exits now that that everyone looked at and was like this is not an exit are now like safe-ish exits on the on the big good suits you know it's incredible right. It, it really is. I mean, uh, uh, again, I'm not a base jumper. I'm not a wingsuiter. So for me, it's all an outside perspective. But watching the evolution of it and the YouTube generation that it's become, and then, of course, becoming friends with and working with all the guys that are just on the cutting edge of this shit, I'm constantly blown away when I watch an exit that just doesn't look possible. It doesn't look yeah. possible. The shit that's going on and the level of flying now that is happening while on these jumps is just above and beyond anything I would have ever imagined. Yeah, man, it's really, really cool. And, and yeah, like you said, with, with canopies, the same thing, like, you know, I don't, I don't know, people jumping. I think Nick just jumping a 55 now for speed and in competition, 55 Petra, then the mutant harness, obviously. Like, right. it's just, it's just changed so much. It's incredible. Yeah. I just had uh, Chris Stewart on from NZ Aerosports talking about a lot of the innovations. And of course he being a test jumper and, and being on the front line for a lot of that stuff. And, and uh, even he is just blown away with the progression that's happened with everything uh, all around yeah. the sport, you know? So if yeah. you were, if you were forced to, well, first off, I want to know how, how did the Red Bull skydiving team come about for you? Cause that's a pretty coveted spot yeah man i don't really know like i get asked that question a lot like of how did you do it or how does it work i i think i was it's a little bit like being uh at the right time in the right place like i just i sort of just had moved back from australia to europe just to be at home again and kind of like uh, see if the whole skydiving thing will work at home also and then uh, I went on holidays, skydiving holidays with an old friend of mine, with Dominic, who used to be part of the team back then. And I remember us talking about like, basically, I asked him like, what do you even do for your job? Like, I don't even know what, how, like, how do you get paid or, or how does it work? 
And that's like the first time I kind of like got in touch with uh, or got to see a little bit of how the Rebel Skydive team works. And we're just hanging out together and that was it. And then like half a year later, uh, he called me. He's like, hey, man, you want to come and train with us this winter? And we went to Dubai to do a training camp there. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Like, sounds really nice. And I think that was it. Then um, maybe another couple of months after that, they asked me if I want to join. And I was, I had just found a really nice job in Switzerland at a job zone, uh, the one I'm at now, Skat of Lucerne. And uh, I was really happy there. And I was like, man, I, I just committed to a full season. I, I can't really, like tell them that i'm gonna i'm leaving now so in the first year i was like i i told the team like if it's okay i do like a bit of freelance and i kind of just have a look at it and see what <laughs> what it's like what you guys do but i had no idea you know and uh, i was just i just wanted to jump a lot and uh, do a lot of exciting stuff and then really quickly i found out like yes this is really really nice and and um i consider myself very very I'm not lucky, but I'm very grateful for having had this this opportunity or still having this opportunity. Sure. I mean, I think by the time you reach the level where you're being offered a, a slot on the Red Bull team, luck is no longer a factor. Maybe um, you had the good graces to know the right people, but you're not offered a slot if you don't have the skill to be able to keep up. So at that point, I don't yeah, think it's think luck it's, anymore. No, not luck. Like, I don't know. I, like I said, like the right time and the right place, but obviously I made myself available by being who I am. Sure. Like I think it's uh, obviously, I guess in a team, you need a team player um, and someone who has a, a knowledge in it. Like we, we try to do as many cover as many disciplines as possible. So that definitely helped me that I was always curious and try to do as uh, many things in the sport as possible. Sure. And then, I guess, but also obviously that I speak German, the whole team is based in Austria, so that helps and the age and all of that. So that's where I kind of see like, uh, I, I wouldn't really, uh, I guess it's a, a lucky component also, but obviously sure. I, I know that I worked really hard to get to sure. the place where I was. Yeah. Sure. Well, now I've been lucky enough to um, fly a lot of the, the Red Bull team stuff uh, when they were training in Dubai and flying Vince and Fred and, and all the gang doing all these different things. But from an outside perspective, which I have, it just looks like you guys are getting paid to have fun. So to put it, <laughs> to put it bluntly, what the fuck do you guys do other than just go out and do cool shit? <laughs> Man, I mean... At the end of the day, we get paid for doing what we do and we do what we do because we love it. So we have a lot of fun, you know. So it's, it is like that. I guess, uh, if, if, I guess there, are, there are other sponsors too that go like, man, what you do is incredible and you're having fun doing it is awesome and I, I want to support it. But specifically us, the Skydive team, we uh, do mostly show jobs. Mm. Um, we do a bunch of shows for um Red Bull Austria so we have the Formula One MotoGP and things like that a couple of smaller events also and that's sort of our um how we make a living mm. and then outside of that we try to stay as busy as possible um becoming better pilots also right so or better skydivers so I guess like 
I would say that still 100% of my time is dedicated to skydiving, <laughs> uh, even if it's my free time, you know what I mean? Like I got sure. to go as much as possible. Now, uh, a lot of the stuff that we see uh, when we're, you know, clicking on YouTube and seeing these Red Bull stunts that are being pulled off, is this stuff that you guys will come up with an idea, hey, the team is thinking about this or individuals of the team are thinking about that and then Red Bull gives a green light for you to go ahead and try something? Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, obviously, it's really, I guess, for a lot of um, the people at Red Bull, it's difficult to see, like, what's possible or what isn't. But usually we come up with a couple of ideas and then we kind of do a bunch of brainstorming and see how that would work and and what elements they would like to emphasize on and what we like to do and it's usually trying to cover a couple of things like making sure it's a, from a, an athletic point of view it's good and for someone who's probably not a skydiver that that would still enjoy it so it's always like a bit of a process to get to a, a, a concrete idea and then we just try to put it into practice and see where it takes us nice nice now outside yeah, the red bull true. team are you still doing uh, are you coaching are you instructing i know you said you're uh, you're uh, in bovec now getting ready to do a camp so what does all that kind of stuff involve yes i do uh, i try to do everything actually <laughs> uh, actually from um, now i'm here with the momentum group it's a um, company that or a, a team that Tom Baker and Matt Leonard and myself uh, founded a couple of years ago trying to uh, make high-performance canopy flocking a thing. Mm. Uh, we did a, a little bit ourselves and then we thought like, man, maybe there's like a, a camp format, a boogie format. So canopy flocking becomes a, a thing just like, like if you rock up to a boogie, you want to do belly flying, you want to do free flying, you want to do canopy flocking, it's all there. And then we kind of like did the first event and, and just tried to figure out if that could work. And it, it took off. It got really big, really quick. And, and now it's the fourth year, I think, already, or the fifth year. And this is our first mountain flying slash canopy flocking event in Bovec. Wow. And Bovec, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, is becoming quite well known for the mountain flying. Man, it is incredible here. Like the drop zone is located in a very beautiful valley surrounded by uh, perfect mountains to do mountain flying or paragliding or whatever. It's like a little adventure sports valley. And the drop zone caters for mountain flying quite well. Like to have pickup trucks and things like that to bring people back. And a couple of the uh, uh, lines in the mountains are well known already. So it's, it's quite easy to make that happen. And, um, yeah, it's a really, really, really nice spot for us. Well, and it's, it uh, draws a lot of the best of the best as well because of its area, right? I mean, it's not very far away from a lot of very popular base jumping spots as well, correct? Yeah, there is. Man, here in Bovec, like, there's a couple of base uh, exits. It's really good for speed flying, for paragliding. Like, I call it a little Norway. Like, it's got all the all the things that uh, um, that you want with mountains, but really accessible also. And it, it, it's perfect for having this camp here for sure. 
Awesome. Well, while you're there, you're going to have to make sure and find Nitka, the guy that's running the place, and uh, tell him I called him a fucking asshole and that he has no idea how to spot an airplane. <laughs> I will. You tell, I will, you, I promise. You tell, him, <laughs> tell him Princess said that, and he'll laugh his ass off. He might slap you, but it's meant for me. <laughs> that's okay. I'll take it. I'll nice. pass it on when I get the <laughs> So what other big events are coming up? What, uh, what should people be looking for to follow what's going on, not just with Red Bull, but with you personally? And, and uh, they've listened to us talking, so they want to know what you've got going on in regard to coaching and all that kind of stuff. How do they, how do they find you? What do you got coming next? Man, it's a good question. I'm um, trying to do my best on social media. Um, no, my Instagram for sure, uh, at Max underscore Mano. Then there is the Red Bull Skydive team at Red Bull Skydive team. Um, for the Momentum stuff, we have a website that we just launched. It's uh, MomentumFlight.com. And... That's it. If you want coaching with me, hit me up. I do, I run a bunch of canopy courses in Switzerland, like one, one course a month at least. And I'm, I kind of tour around doing canopy courses as well. And canopy coaching. Um, you will probably find me at a couple of free fly boogies uh, as an all rounder. And that's it. Just trying to be busy and doing as much as possible. For me, the next couple of, events for sure the next big one well after this camp the next big one will be arizona uh, eloy world championships for canopy piloting and then after that uh we'll have two flocking camps in north carolina at scudf xp and there are still slots available so uh look us up if you're interested we have one group or one camp that is catered for a little bit bigger wings uh sort of like your maybe sub one just sub 100 around that uh size and then the other one is like the uh small parachutes like wing loading 2.6 and and a little bit smaller like uh, uh valkyries and all of that around the, uh, whatever that wing load anyways you find all the information online or hit me up personally and then uh come to one of our camps it's a really really good fun and you'll learn a lot Awesome. I, I love that uh, you start out by saying the just sub 100 big, slow canopies. <laughs> well, cool. we're, we're catering for high performance flocking. I but mean, no, that's... we have a... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it makes, yeah, me, makes me makes me feel <laughs> old now I, I especially with the, a lot of the people that i've been able to talk to over recent years do a lot of what you do which is multitasking in so many different areas and obviously with social media being what it is and um, the press grabbing onto the most spectacular sides of our sport that being the uh, uh, the mountain flying the especially the wingsuit base jumping and all that stuff I've got a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are very new into skydiving. And for those people that have been watching YouTube and think it's the most amazing thing ever, and that's the only direction they want to go, what's your advice on how to take it? This is the guy with 200 jumps that thinks he's ready to go, you know, strap on a freak and, and try and carve down the mountain. What path should he be thinking of? Man, he should be thinking about the path like, I think if you just have a goal in sight, then two things happen. You you don't really enjoy the 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 journey on the way there, and once you get there, you'll find you'll probably be 
like what are you gonna do after that you know what i mean like if this is your only goal then uh then you achieved it so you're gonna stop doing it then you know what right, i mean like right i think i think like every single step in between was like so much fun and was like such a cool challenge and if um i'm i really enjoyed every single step there's a couple of there are difficult times and there are times where you, you feel like you're not progressing enough or you want to like speed things up but it's all like it's all there for a reason and and there is no there are no shortcuts so mm. you might as well like enjoy it as much as possible and 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 celebrate the small achievements which end up being like a massive achievement anyway right sure and honestly like for me i'm i'm the same like it's not like i have more fun on a skydive than than someone with less jumps it's just it's it's all the same like enjoy every single jump enjoy every single step it's like and it never stops i certainly don't consider myself at the top of anything because it's sort of just starting all over you know so um i think like enjoy the it's a bit of a cliche about enjoy the journey and and like celebrate every single step in between and then wherever it takes you it takes you and and i think not yeah not focusing too much on a goal is probably uh, sure the right thing to do well, and it's it's kind of funny. I think with skydiving, especially the the peak, the summit of skydiving keeps getting higher. I mean, it's not static, simply because of technology and because of people's abilities have increased so much over the years. I I had the privilege of having Nick Scalabrino and Matt Munting a number of times on the podcast, and both of them said that their wingsuiting improved dramatically because of all of the other avenues that they were following in the sport. That being free flying and literally everything else was adding to their ability to do these specific things and they had just as much fun doing one as the other so i think that's fantastic advice man it's all connected it's all basically the same thing right we're going we're getting out of an airplane or we're exiting from somewhere and we're getting to the ground and there's so many things we have no like that that we can definitely improve on a lot and technology will make it interesting all the time and there's so many disciplines that are for sure super fun and and if you're bored as a with something then get into competition and then become an instructor so you can pass on your knowledge like if you feel like you kind of like don't know what to do anymore in the sport because you've done it all you 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 probably i don't know <laughs> there's something wrong right right <laughs> well and if you're if you're lucky enough to be somebody like me who doesn't intend to base jump but has tons of friends that do i get to live vicariously through the stories and experiences that you guys have so even if you're not doing that stuff enjoying watching the progression is just insane it's wonderful it really is Man, and just, I think also being happy with where you are, you know what I mean? Like I, I said at the beginning, like I, I always wanted to be more than, than just an instructor. And I'm, there's no judgment in that. Like there's a, a, there's so many amazing instructors out there that are totally happy with what they do. And they're super passionate in doing that. And they, they uh, progress in other ways, right? They be, become better instructors and they, they read books about teaching and, and all of that. And I think it's like, it's awesome. Like if you found your place where you're happy, then, then enjoy that too. It's no like, 
like you said, you know, enjoying watching other people is such a such a cool thing. If you ever come to a swoop competition or any competition, you just see what's happening there. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to wish for being at the top with them. It's just it's just cool to see other people be good and 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 whatever that is. Like I think it's really important also to to understand that that there's so many people that that do the same job basically for many many years but they're amazing at it and and i think it's awesome that they do it and and there is no there's nothing wrong with that you know no. so many people that ask me like how can i get to this point and that point and, and all this and it's like man like also maybe it's worth seeing like am i happy where i am already you know like sure. maybe there's a, a lot of Uh, energy can go into improving where I am now rather than having to always look at what someone else is doing, you know? Oh, and there's always room for improvement, even if it's something you've been doing for a long time. I mean, we said it earlier, I still to this day keep waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and go, hey, you're really not allowed to fly that plane. <laughs> you know, you need to get out because we found out you've been fucking faking it all these years. So, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a nice thing. You know, it, it it's there's always something to learn, even if you've picked your one area to stick with. Man, 100%. And I think that's, Like I always, that always like kept me motivated. So I try to be better and try to find a better way and kind of like whether it's as an instructor or as an, let's say an athlete or, or whatever, you know, it's like, how can I, how can I improve on this? And, and that's just, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a ton of fun. And I think if you, if, if the focus is on doing that, then it's, you're, you're going to have fun anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, one more time, please give me the, uh, the Instagram so everybody can uh, check in with you that way and, and follow up what comes next for Max. Uh, my personal Instagram is at Max underscore Mano. And you'll find the Instagram of at Red Bull Skydive team and at Momentum Flight. Those are the three uh, important Instagram pages you have to. Awesome. Well, looking at. Max, have an amazing camp out in Bovec. Remember to tell Nitka he sucks at spotting airplanes. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I really, really enjoy hearing what's going on, and I'm going to enjoy seeing what you got coming next. Thanks for having me, man. I enjoyed it a lot. Take care, Max. Yes, thank you. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right, head to pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By summitparachutesystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to tonysuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or princesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.
Thank you.